Glory to Jesus Christ. Good morning. Good morning. Um, just to get the, the main stuff out of the way, welcome to the show. This is our first episode and uh, very interesting, uh, the, the, the readings here today and uh, the way the Holy Spirit has kind of led me to, to to walk with this particular preaching today. I'm a little weary of it, seeing as this is the first, uh, this is the first, but the truth of Christ must always prevail. It must always prevail. And this is the truth of the matter. Uh, so, again, uh, so welcome to Christ Our Hope show. Uh, this show is uh, dedicated to the uh, scriptures and to proclaiming the gospel message. Proclaiming the gospel message. And so, uh, today, um, I'm going to, I'm going to read these scriptures for us, and then we're going to jump in and we're going to start dissecting them. And I'm going to start, uh, I'm going to kind of tell you what the Holy Spirit has put on my heart to say on these particular scriptures, and we'll kind of go from there. So today's readings, uh, we have Acts 20, right, which is verses 16 through 18 and 28 through 36. And then we also have John 17, verses 1 through 13. So let's begin with the first, in Acts 20. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, uh, please go ahead and open up with me as, as I read here. It says, For Paul had decided to sell past Ephesus, so that he would not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus, Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking for perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by, by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Truly the word of the Lord. Okay, let's, let's just go ahead and read uh, John 17. It says this, Jesus spoke with these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may also glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And, in, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I have, I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them. 
and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them, and I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are the wor these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. The Gospel of the Lord. Man, what great verses and what great epistle and gospel we have for this seventh Sunday of Pascha. Pascha. It is so important for us to come today and to reflect truly upon these most blessed scriptures. Brothers and sisters in Christ, at this point in, in the life of our church, we face a time of, of great uncertainty. There's uh, uncertainty in the economy. There's uncertainty in, you know, in so many, in self-identity, in the role of our nation, even inside of ourselves. If we're going to have a job, if we're going to be able to put food on the table, will we be able to pay our mortgage? There's so many things, brothers and sisters, that we struggle with on a day-to-day -day basis and that we are fighting out here to try to maintain and so brothers and sisters what I would like to do is to reflect upon these verses here right now and I want us to as we sing inside of the, the most holy uh, liturgy right let us lay aside all earthly cares right let us lay aside all earthly cares this is important. Let's start off. Take a deep breath. Breathe it out. Let's say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Good, good. Now that we have come to this awareness, let's delve in. Let's delve in. Brothers and sisters, we are so easily distracted in this world. It is so easy how we, our attention can be turned away from things that are holy, divine, mystical, those things which matter more than anything else. And yet, somehow, our minds, ourselves, can be so distracted away from this simple message, from this simple action of the remembrance of God. Throughout our days, let us ask the question, how often do we truly pray and ask God? How often do we think of God? How often do we seek to see God? How often do we pray for the people we work beside? How often do we pray for our loved ones and for those who are struggling inside of this world? We must ask these questions. Because truly we are distracted. It's 
even more so inside of this world, and especially in the Christian community, people have become distracted from the truth of the gospel. They've become distracted from what matters. They've been distracted from the, 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 the importance of the very most simplest actions of Christianity. And the problem is, is that we've let our ego enter into this equation so much that now it seems as if there's a million, there's a million views on what Christianity is and how one practices Christianity. And while this is, this is true, the spirituality, the, the charisma is different in many ways, there are some basic fundamentals that the apostles laid out for us and that we are required to follow and yet our distraction has been has been has been very good the devil is very good at this is he not he's very he's very good at distracting us from from what matters it's almost hideous on how uh, and disgusting of how effective he is at distracting our 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 minds, our, our, our eyes, our wants, and our, our, quote, needs, right? But he's very good. He's very good. The scriptures today talk about distraction, brothers and sisters. I want us to pay attention to a few different words here. A few different words. The messages here today are messages of ordainment and and really for the ministers of Christ, but also I feel like they are also for the laity. They're a warning for us of what is to come. They're a warning for us of do not get distracted, right? I want to I want to go ahead and 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 see here in Acts 20:30. It says also from among yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. What does this mean? Cult of personality, right? These men coming not in the message and the glory of Christ, but rather in the message and the glory of themselves, trying to elevate themselves and their petitions and their positions and power. Brothers and sisters, we have seen this in the church. We have. We have seen this uh, in so many different ways. We have in Germany, we have bishops talking about homosexual marriages. Inside of Ireland, we have um, openly LGBTQ uh, communities openly practicing homosexuality and not being condemned by the church, openly receiving communion. Brothers and sisters, we have so much sin around us in this church but we also have it on the outside on the outside and this is our true enemy in many ways the enemy's coming at us to tear us apart to divide us but 
brothers and sisters, there is hope. There is Christ. And there is the Gospels. And he did not leave us alone, right? Today's scripture verses provide us what we need in order to understand our position and where we are in this debate. Within the first, right? Within the first, um, I think it's important that we that we that we kind of make sure that we we kind of understand these uh, these these things. So first off, we read in. Um, We read in Leviticus 18.22, it says, Do not practice homosexuality. Having sex with another man as with a woman is a detestable sin. Right? You can read again also in Leviticus, If a man practices homosexuality, having sex with another man as with a woman, both men have committed a detestable act. They must be put to death or they are guilty of capital offense. Right? A little closer to home. Right? It says, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Again, also in uh, in one Timothy one eight through ten, now we know that the law is good. If any, if if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. And again in Jude seven. And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality of every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire as a serve as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. Brothers and sisters, we've, we've become distracted. And now that I've said that piece, I also want to say this. We've become distracted on the topic of homosexuality. Homosexuality, abortion, all of these things have completely consumed the Catholic mind and has torn us and distracted us away from those things which are truly most important, which is seek first the kingdom of God and all things will follow. Brothers and sisters, we, we cannot continue to walk this way. How can we judge our brothers and sisters when we ourselves still have the log in our own eye. And I've seen this so many times. And I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to judge. I don't, I don't know if I see a homosexual man or woman at church, if, if they are actively practicing homosexuality or if they're not. If they are, I pray that they would, they would pray for God's forgiveness and, and live a chaste life as God has called them. But it's not my place to judge them because I don't know their situation. 
And so I say all of this because the devil has distracted us in, in this way in which we've become so consumed with our own brother's sins that we have completely, completely um, forgot about the sin in our own life. And I want to go to the prayer of St. Ephraim that we pray during um, during great fast. In the third portion of that prayer, it says, Yea, O Lord and King, grant me to see my own transgressions and not to judge my brother. For blessed art thou unto ages of ages. Amen. Brothers and sisters, do not be distracted by the devil and upon the sins of others and about the sins of others. If we see something, yes, we should say something. And inside of our own countries and nations, we should fight so that the kingdom of God should be made manifest on the earth. But do not judge another. Do not be distracted in this way. Because the devil, this is what he tries to do. He tries to get you so fired up on this, right? So fired up on this this action, this 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 social justice, and it makes you think that you're doing a good thing, that you're that you're fighting for justice, that you're blah blah blah. But really, at the end of the day, even though your intention is good, are you truly doing the right thing? While it is good that you join protests and you join, um, you know, marches and everything, peaceful marches, you know, to overturn the abortion Roe versus Wade, which I, I attended the Roe v. Wade marches in, in D.C. several times. And it is good that we fight for, um, you know, legislation inside of our countries that, you know, actively uh, protects the Catholic faith and makes manifest the kingdom of God. We cannot judge, and we shouldn't judge. And so this is the first distraction, our own self-ego. The devil likes to use this against us all the time. And we have to realize that even whenever our best intention may be there, are we still following through with the rest of everything else that God is requiring of us? If we're fighting for social justice, but we're not reading the scriptures, we're not praying the Jesus prayer, we're not going to liturgy, then who are we really fighting for? Are we fighting for God? Are we fighting to puff up ourselves judgment of our brother? This is a question we have to ask ourselves and really be honest with ourselves. Because if the answer is the latter, then we're wrong. And Jesus says, You can do nothing apart from me. So if you're not praying, you're not going to liturgy, you're not being actively involved, going to confession, then you're not doing it for God. You're doing it for yourself. Doesn't matter how many homeless you feed. 
But if your faith in Christ is lacking, you're not practicing the faith in prayer and maintaining that umbilical cord to God in prayer. 1 Thessalonians, right? 4, 7. Pray unceasingly. If we're not doing that, we are not doing it for God. And we have to check ourselves at the doors, brothers and sisters. I'm just being honest. Because we can sit here and say that we are doing it for God. And not really. We have to check ourselves at the door. And we see this. St. Paul talks about this. In in verse 33 and, and onwards, he says, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And the final verse is, is, is key. And when he said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. He prayed. He did it for nothing. That's the way of the apostle. He didn't do it for himself. He didn't do it for glory. He didn't do it for his own puffed up conscience. Right? He didn't do it because he he had this justification that I'm right and you're wrong. Right? He knew the truth. He didn't need to he didn't need that justification. But at the end of end of it, end of his preaching, he prayed. This is where we have to understand that our activity of self-purification, theoria, the battle against the logosmos, evil thoughts, is a battle. The devil is trying to distract us from the truth. And from who Christ truly is. And then there's another distraction that that I see very prevalent amongst the younger generations, right? And that's this. The, The concept of God is feeling. And what do we get from this, brothers and sisters? What do we truly see from that? We see that... That basically they're going to these Protestant churches, listening to these Protestant pastors. Let's talk about men rising up. Speaking perverse doctrines. I give you one. One saved, always saved. I've seen men who say they're saved because they accept Jesus. They were baptized. And that they're still drunks. They're still living in sin. They have not changed their ways. But according to that doctrine, they're saved. What a perverse doctrine that has been unleashed on this world and a great lie of Satan. For even in, in, in the letter of James, we read, For you show me your, your faith 
and I will show you my works because of my faith. These things are important, brothers and sisters, and we even read it in Acts 20. We read it in Acts 20. But the reason why these people and so many are falling away from, our, from, the, from the true, right, and orthodox faith is this. Because they've got this concept that when they go to these churches, they get this high of Jesus, right? And they think that, I've experienced God. I've been illumined by God. Well, the devil comes as an angel of light, brothers and sisters. I can tell you that right now. And even though you may think that you have been illumined, you have not been illumined, you've been distracted. You've been fooled. You've been turned away. You have not followed the path that God has called you to do because they don't have the liturgy which was instituted by the apostles. They do not have the, the, the mysteries of illumination. They do not have the mysteries that have been given to us as gifts to the church by Christ. And while God is beyond his mysteries, his sacraments, it is the primary means that he works. It is the primary means that he works. Furthermore, having been distracted by this feeling and have been fooled by the devil, the pastor gets up there and he preaches and he teaches these perverse doctrines. And because you've had this feeling of God, you think that he's right. And everything that you've learned from the church is wrong. From beginning to end, you question everything. You question the Holy Trinity. You question the Mary, the Mother of God. You question the communion of saints. You question the Eucharist. And the devil was one. He's done his job. For having denied Mary, having denied the Trinity, having denied the Eucharist, you've denied the entire symbol of the creed of faith. And by denying the Nicene-Constantinople creed, the communion of faith, the symbol of our faith, you have therefore denied Christ and created blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And many of you may disagree but I'm here to tell you that in the face of it, that I grew up a Pentecostal holiness pastor's grandson, and I'm going to tell you the truth. You've been lied to. You've been tricked. You've been deceived. Go read your history. Show me where the early church works the way the Protestant church works. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not in there. Let's read Justin Martyr. Let's read Justin Martyr. Early church father, born around 90 to 100. He wrote his apology between 138 and 161, typically within the, the uh, time of Emperor Antoninus. <coughs> Simple fact, brothers and sisters, go read his, go read his apology. You will find the Mass. You will find the liturgy. The liturgia. Why? Because the church has continued to do things the same way it has done for 2,000 years. But these perverse men have risen up. 
And God, Christ Jesus, knew that this was going to be the case. And so did St. Paul. And that's the reason why John gives us this letter, this gospel here today. Because it is so important that we hear this verse, that we hear these verses, right? So when it says, when it says here inside of the scripture, let's start off with with verse 6. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and they have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Hmm. They have believed that you sent me. The apostles had a knowledge that many of us will never obtain. And I'm not talking in in some, some gnosis, you know, whatever. I'm talking about the simple fact that these men live, ate, drank, slept with Jesus in, in, in his camp. They knew him. They walked with him. But they just didn't know him. They knew the Father in an intimate way. And Jesus prays for them. Jesus says, Holy Father, this is verse 11, Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. And this is so important. This prayer right here, this, 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 this advocation of Christ to the Father... Do you think that the Father would not listen to this? No, He did listen. He did listen. And He is listening. The apostles and their successors today maintain the faith. And we continue to maintain the faith. But brothers and sisters, many of those who have fallen away have been deceived into lies. They've been duped into believing that this most holy faith that they're following as the Baptist or Methodist or whatever, you know, non-denominational church they, they tend to go to, that this is the true church of Jesus Christ. Either that or they've been distracted into believing that it doesn't matter. The salvation is something universal. It doesn't matter which church you belong to. Just believe in Jesus and you'll be okay. I'm here to tell you That's a dangerous teaching and not one that is backed by any form of scripture and not really backed by any form of ancient church father or hermeneutic, the harmony of the gospel. Instead, brothers and sisters, it's actually the exact opposite. We are called to participate in the life of the church. We are. We are called to partake in the bread and the wine, which is the body and blood of Christ. John 6, the bread of life discourse. Anyone who not, does not eat my flesh and does not drink my blood cannot have, have, not, cannot have life within him. 
And again, at the Last Supper, Matthew 25, this is my body. Take of this, all of you, and eat of it. It is my body given up for you, for, the, for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Take all of you and drink of it. This is the cup of the new covenant. This is the only point in the, in the scriptures that the covenant, new covenant, is even instigated as a word. It's the only time the word even shows up in the scriptures. And it's at the po point when he's offering the cup. Take this, all of you, and drink of it. This is the blood of the new covenant. That will be given up for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. So what is this, what is this telling us? What are we being told, brothers and sisters? It's quite simple. It's quite clear. Eat and drink. And we say, see, see the same thing in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Whenever it says that when the Mashiach comes, the Messiah comes, which was Jesus, the anointed one comes, there will be no longer a sacrifice at the altar, but rather there will be the sacrifice of Todah. This, this bread and wine offered. What do we have today in the New Covenant? Bread and wine offered. Truly the most precious body and blood of Christ. We cannot sit around and be distracted, brothers and sisters. We cannot let our guard down for a second, for the enemy is sitting at the gate. He's waiting for you to just slip up. He's waiting for you to put your pride in front of your faith. And then he will strike hard and fast. So quickly and like a blur, you won't even know what happened. And you would have fallen into sin. Why? Because he was waiting. The enemy was waiting. I say all this in hopes that you might come to know and see and believe the truth of Christ. And what is the truth? That Christ is risen. For the past 40 days, Christ is risen. You don't have to do this alone. This Thursday, we celebrated the Feast of the Ascension. What a beautiful liturgy. What a beautiful uh, reflection, you know, on that uh, in general. Um, especially within the hymnography of the church, right? The hymnography of the church it's it's so beautiful the words it says "O christ god you have ascended in glory granting joy to your disciples by the promise of the spirit through the blessing they were assured that you are the son of god the redeemer of the world and again in the contakion the contact the conduct it says when you have fulfilled the dispensation for our sake and united earth to heaven you ascended in glory, O Christ our God, not being parted from those who love you, but remaining with them and crying, I am with you, and no one will be against you.
what what beautiful joy and hope that the that the liturgy gives to us on the ascension it's so beautiful because it reminds us that even though Christ is ascended, even though Christ is, is heading and is seated at the right hand of the Father, we are not alone. Instead, we hear the scripture verses come to us, Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest for your soul. Christ did not leave us. He is ever amongst us. And never more clearly amongst us than in the Eucharist, when he arrives in the body and the blood, the soul, divinity of Jesus Christ, he is there ever present amongst us. And having allowed us to ingest and partake of that most blessed and sacred banquet of Christ's most precious body and blood, we are able to become like him. And that is the gospel, brothers and sisters. That God is with us. It is proclaimed at Christmas. Whenever we hear and we say and we sing, God is with us. We sing it to each other. Christ is amongst us. We say it again at Pascha. Whenever we read and we pray and we chant and we sing, God is with us. And again, during the whole Paschal Tide, when we proclaim Christ is risen. And here at the end, at the ascension of our Lord, what do we hear? I am with you and no one will be against you. Brothers and sisters, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of the enemy. He is waiting, but we are stronger. We are powerful. We are mighty. We hold within us we who are baptized catholic christians we are truly protected by god why because christ is with us not in some mystical some 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 existential means right but rather he is with us in the eucharist and when we participate in that most blessed sacrament, that most blessed mystery of God, then we become something else. We are being transformed into something else. If we allow and we participate in the grace that He has for us, that He has in store for us, that He wishes to give us through that mystery, it is something that is not comprehensible. It is a mystery. but wholly necessary. God is stronger than anything that we could ever go through. So many in this world today need that hope. They need that that love, that joy of Christ. And it's ready and waiting for them. And if you are out there and you're struggling in your faith today, I would ask you to fall upon your knees and repent unto God. And find the nearest Catholic church, either either Eastern Rite or, or Roman Rite, and, and say, I desire to be a part of the kingdom of God. 
I want to walk the way of Christ. I want to be a member of his flock. And repent of your sins. Repent and come to live the gospel. And what does repentance look like? Well, I can tell you right now, brothers and sisters, it doesn't look like getting drunk on a Friday night. It doesn't look like being addicted to pornography. It doesn't look like so many different things that I see so many Christians continue to do. If you're flicking off your 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 fellow human person on the road because they won't get out of your way, you're wrong if you're calling yourself a Christian. In the East, we don't we don't have this this distinction between you know, mortal sin and and venial sin that, that doesn't exist in the East. All sin is sin. All of it is bad in the eyes of God. Any action of love, or rather, any action of non-love against your neighbor is a sin because Christ gave us two commandments. Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul, and the second is likened to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We must live these commandments. These are the basic elements of our Christian faith. And if we cannot even live these things, then how can we even call ourselves Christians? But we all get distracted. We do. And that's why the Jesus prayer is truly the best prayer for us. Because we have to realize that we are weak and that God is strong. The Jesus prayer tells us nothing. It says, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The only thing that tells us is that we are great sinners, that Christ is a mighty Savior. His love is a love that never ends. He carried it to the cross. He brought it forth in the resurrection. He took it with him to the ascension and he freely gives it to all who repent and seek the kingdom of God. And brothers and sisters, you can do that today. You can. If you are a Protestant out there and you are hearing the words here, I tell you and I urge you, brothers and sisters, turn away. Move away from that cult of personality. This man who pumps himself up. I've never met, you know, a, 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 a... one of those preachers, especially in these mega churches around where I live at, they're all rich. And it makes no sense because the scriptures say it is easier for a camel to fit through the eye of the needle than a rich man to enter into heaven. And yet, everyone wants to follow this rich preacher. How does that make sense? It doesn't. Brothers and sisters, turn away. Repent. Stop protesting the faith. And just come and live it. 
In reality, I heard it once from a great friend of mine and priest. He said the, the faith is not that which is to be explained, but rather it is a mystery to be lived. I pray and I hope that we will get rid of our distractions because truly we are being distracted, brothers and sisters, and the devil wants you to be distracted. And for those who are listening, Catholic and non-Catholic, look out for those distractions. Look out for what God is, is trying to save you from because he's always trying to save you He's always trying to pull you back because he loves you and he desires to be with you. The message today is that Christ is risen. There is hope. We no longer have to live in fear of death. Death has lost its sting. If we follow the path, the way of Christ, as the church is handed down to us, then we will live eternity with the Father. And this is eternal life. We read it in John 17 today. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Let us believe in Christ. Let us follow Him with the fullness of our hearts. Let us prepare room for Him as He prepares a place for us in heaven. Brothers and sisters, next Sunday is Pentecost. And we read, even in Acts 20, the importance of the day of Pentecost. It says in Acts 20.16, it says, For Paul decided to sell past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Why? Because it's such an important day in the church. It's the church's birthday. It's the day in which the church received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, your homework for this for this week is to be on the lookout for distractions and and get a book and and write those distractions down and I tell you to do this because and this is very simple I tell you to do this because the devil is cyclical he always tries to use the same thing against you and when he feels like that isn't working, then he'll come at you with something else. But he will always come back to that thing, which is your greatest weakness. Build up that fortress. Build up that defense. Build up a shield around that so that you will not fall into that sin, but rather that you will fight and destroy his, his vain attempts. And don't try doing it on your own because that's impossible. Rather, lean upon the mercy and the love of Christ with the Jesus prayer. It is the Jesus prayer that is going to save you because it is Jesus who saves.
With that being said, I would like to go ahead and and end this uh, in this this today's today's show with um, a quick reading. Because we're talking about hope here. This is a this is a reading from John Grisostom. I think it's very good. It says it is to raise up their minds that he says all this, and to persuade them not only to flee, but also to bear nobly. This is the reason he calls it a course and a ministry on the one hand, showing it to be glorious from its being a race on the other, showing what was due from it as being a ministry. I am a minister, nothing more. He had comforted them so they would not grieve that he was treated in such a bad way, for my anxiety is not that you should be saved through me as the means, but only that you should be saved. The person as the instrument is immaterial. You do not know the pangs of spiritual childbirth, how overpowering they are, how he who is in travail with this birth would rather be cut into ten thousand pieces than see one of those to whom he has given birth perishing and undone. This is from uh, St. John Chrysostom's homily on Acts 20. And I think it tells us a lot. I want you to walk away with a few things from this, from today's preaching. First off, let's start off firstly with distractions. Be careful of distractions. Be careful of the way the devil is going to attack you to pull you away from this faith. Um, and the lies that he's going to tell you. Uh, you know, he'll start to breed doubt in Christ, in the apostles, in the apostolic teaching, right? This is where a lot of our Protestant brothers and sisters fall, is because they, they doubt the apostolic teaching. They say, oh, well, it must have, it must have gotten tainted over the centuries. But they forget that God is in control of the content, not man. They forget that God is in control of the church and the head of the church, not man. They forget that God is the one that's steering the boat, not man. And so they've become distracted, and we can become distracted too. So we got to make sure that we're we're that we're well aware of what is going on there. Second. Now we we need to maintain our faith in prayer. Prayer is the means of our salvation, and it's so very important that we follow what the scriptures tell us, right? And so um these two things, remaining free from distractions and, and remaining um, 
focused in prayer are the two pillars that we have to build our spiritual life on. We have to lean on Christ because we can't do it on our, on our own. I mean, if we could do it on our own, there was no reason for Christ. So we have to pray. That's the only way we're going we're gonna to overcome. And we have to pray, especially when we're distracted, and be reminded that Christ is God. And the teachings that the church has given to us are truly the teachings of Christ. I mean, we say that that's a faith in, in the church, not so much in Christ. But I would, I would beg to differ. You know, wherever Christ is, there is the church. Because he's the head of the church. You can't take the head away and have no body. That makes no sense. The head is bound to die. It can't be separate of itself. Therefore, Christ has never left his church. And he, he will not let that teaching go to waste. So... We have to we have to realize that that God is in control. God is running is, is steering the boat, and that we are going to get distracted in our prayer life. But when those distractions come around and the devil is coming at us, we just pray simply, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And on that, I'm going to I'm going to end. I'm going to end on that tonight. And on today's scripture verses. These scripture verses also speak of, of ordained of, of ordained ministry. So I, I would like to I would like to just go ahead and pray real quick for um for our uh for our pastors, right? And those um who are in in leadership that the holy spirit uh would would come upon them and would help them in in their um activity of excuse me um of of ministering in in this world um this is a hard world to, to minister in. So let, let's pray for our priests. And I want to pray a prayer um, by St. John Kronstadt. Um, and let, let's go ahead and pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. O Lord, let thy priests be clothed with righteousness. Let them always remember the greatness of their calling. Let them not be entangled in the snares of the world and the devil. Let them be saved from the cares of the world, the delight in riches, and the desire for other things entering into their hearts. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, everyone, that is that is all we have for today. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I hope this show was, was good. And um, I look forward to seeing you next week when uh, we uh, prepare for Pentecost and that most blessed uh, uh, celebration of the birth of the church and the coming of the Holy Spirit. Thank you all. Please have a good night and glory to Jesus Christ.